Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit we got to celebrate Cinco de Mayo while we still can. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, May the 5th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Dan Petru. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time of day to get you filled in on the comings and goings. And I have a rumor to start with, believe it or not. A rumor, actual rumor. Um, let me world, but um, of course we've heard about the Bruce Boudreaux talks, and we will get into the games right after this, but um, you know, that he's now going to talk with Minnesota and Ottawa, um, mm-hmm. and I know Ottawa's got a, but I know Calgary's already made their pitch, and already has a big contract offer on, on the table for them, um, but I talked to somebody who was kind of, you know, let's say, you know, familiar with the situation a little bit, and he um, he told me that one of the things that was discussed with Boudreaux is his, um, well, apparently doesn't share the same love of Kyrie Rama that I have. Let's <laughs> Just say that much. Did you talk to me? <laughs> and um, and once once a goalie, you know, wants to make sure that there's a goalie. Because he, he just, his Boudreaux system very much works off of you know strong defense and, and goalies, and um, you know, but in Calgary doesn't have one of those. But the talk was, you know, that Calgary is, is seriously considering putting together an offer at the draft for Mark Andre Fleury, and that that would be something that they would they would pursue. And I know they're not going to be the only team that does that. Um, I'm I'm sure. Dallas will do that as well. I've heard people have been around that too. There's a team that's mm-hmm. very, very good and it needs a needs well, that to go over the top. They have even though they have two goalies now. It's it's funny you mentioned mentioned Dallas, Zach, because uh, uh, our buddy Jeff Merrick on uh, Hockey Central this uh, this morning mentioned them possibly going after Henrik Lundqvist. And hmm. if you th- and if you think about it, it makes sense. But now I'm not so sure. As Jeff was saying, that the Rangers are completely shot, done, it's over with. They may still think that they have the, a chance of, you know, making a few moves to contend for another one to two years. But if they're of the mind that they have to now rebuild, then you know, a, a contract over eight million dollars, and Lundqvist still being a good goaltender might be a direction that Dallas would want to go. Because we know right now they're goaltending, you know, they're spending ten and a quarter million dollars on a couple guys who can't finish a game. Right. You know, the, only, the only thing I'm, that doesn't work for that, I, I agree with Jeff in, in that it makes sense. But when you try and make sense of how the Rangers have operated over the years, they <laughs> don't rebuild. And when they trade guys like that, like Leach, they wait till the bitter end. Right. right, I was actually just thinking that. Yeah, so it's probably too soon. And I would think they, I would think they try and get rid of some of their other contracts that are actually. You know, I don't think Lundqvist makes a lot of money, but he isn't hurting them. They have plenty no. of guys making too much money that are hurting them. I would think they try and move those deals first. And okay. also, Lundqvist has, of course, the no move clause, and right. Right. he loves it in New York. And him moving moving him out of New York is going to be very difficult. Um, and and. And and he's and but he's one of these guys who I actually respect for that. Like there's some guys I don't, but with him I really do respect because he actually stayed in New York for less money to stay in New York. And he, I think the Rangers have a lot of kahunis uh, to uh, ask him to even move that no trade clause after that. Two home. It's New York and Sweden. And and to be honest, he might be one of those guys that just never plays for another team. Like he might retire early, and it doesn't actually. He doesn't have one of those post-35 deals that would hurt the Rangers. He yeah. might just walk away one year and go back to Sweden, and that would be it. And it wouldn't I, shock me. 
Yeah, I could totally see him going back to play. The, the guy that they're more likely going to move is probably Nash, and it's a movable contract because it only it has left at, at less than $8 million. But getting back to Flurry, Yeah, the big news is Flurry. Let's get back to that. Yeah, sorry. Um, getting, getting, getting back to Flurry. I mean, it's not just going to be Calgary who's interested in the goaltender. I mean, Dallas... Right. I mean, you you don't know where Lou Lamorello and the Leafs are going to go. I mean, they, they have no confidence in Jonathan Bernier. I think they would rather have a younger goaltender. They would probably, you know, that I know they tried to get Matt Murray in the Kessel deal and couldn't get him. I mean, there was a con- a connection between Kyle Dubas, who was the, the uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds GM, and Matt Murray, who played in Sault Ste. Marie. But I think I think the Leafs are going to go for a younger guy. But if they can't find somebody who they think can be a number one goaltender as a stopgap, they might go for a Flurry who has three years left at around five, five and a half, I believe. Is this a little? Um, I mean, I I think that makes sense, and I think the Calgary thing makes sense. And if, if Calgary has to say they're going to have to say some things to get Boudreaux to go there, then they're like, okay, well we've got a, we've got a plan to get a goalie, whether it's Mark Andre Flurry or somebody else. But um, and I think Matt Murray's been unbelievable. And he's, he's great. He's been incredible. But isn't it a little bit early for this? I mean, like, in my mind, it's a little nope. bit early to anoint Matt Murray. I'll disagree with you, and I'll let Russ talk and, and Dan talk. But I think it is. I think, you know, you've got a year before expansion. The only thing that you're risking here is if you can get something really good for Flurry, which you probably can. But the question mark about concussion now, because he's missed most of the playoffs with the concussion, the salary, the, the, the term, and the fact that, you know, Many critics out there think he's not a good playoff goaltender. I, I particularly think that's a that's a bad rap because I think he's played well at times. Mm-hmm. But there there is some there are some people out there who do think that. So I think and, and and okay, Murray has been fantastic and he may carry them to a Stanley Cup. But you know what? It's not unheard of that this guy comes up next year has a sophomore slump and they need a flurry. And they the only thing they would have to turn to then is either you know if they trade for another goaltender to be the backup or Jeff Zatkoff or Tristan Jerry. So I don't know if they're going to rush to move Flurry this summer. I, I would do it because a Flurry is taking up X amount of cap space. B Pittsburgh's not loaded with with prospects. I haven't particularly liked Derek Pouliot's play, and, and he's one of their better ones, right? Daniel Sprong's going to be a real good one, but he's one of the last really, really good ones. They have like four or five other mid-level prospects that can make the NHL, no question about it, but not with star potential. So I think this is the only other way you could get another potential star to put in that lineup because they're going to need one again next year. This team is not going to you know, go right from this year to next year. Matt Cullen won't be scoring the way Matt Cullen's scoring right now. And Murray's 21. It's not like he's 18. He's had a big workload in his career. Like, that's the thing. It may not have been at the NHL level, but he's always played a lot of games. And so that's what bodes well for him. It's not like he was in the college system where he maybe didn't play a lot or he was a backup where, like, Tristan Jarry was a backup for two years where he didn't play a lot. So I think that's okay. And then if they want to get the veteran backup, get it and give Jarry another full season in the A. You think, you think they would get a star back for Fleury in a trade? I think they could, yeah. I think – as long as he gets cleared from his concussion testing, Mark Andre Fleury's play the last couple of years has been excellent. Yeah, like nobody could say anything in the playoffs and otherwise. This year alone, I mean, this year yeah. alone, at times he kept Pittsburgh in it. I mean, yeah. Let's not forget that. Let's, I mean, Pittsburgh's looking great now, but there was a time when Pittsburgh couldn't score a goal to save their lives, and 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 he kept them competitive. 
Yeah. If you have a goalie that you think is ready in Murray, I mean, he's your number one prospect. He's one of the best prospects in all of hockey between the pipes. You're ready to go with him. What this does is it gives you cap flexibility, something Pittsburgh has not had in years. So you can make the move. You get some good young players back, maybe one really good young player, maybe a couple draft picks. You kind of rebuild your farm position. Uh, system, but it gives you cap flexibility to use throughout your roster. If you have to bring, you know, pick up a backup goalie somewhere with some experience, you do. But I think if if, if the deal if the deal is right, I wouldn't give them away. If the well, deal is right, you make the deal. Well, Pittsburgh doesn't have a first round pick this year, so and I don't right. think they're going to get. If it's Calgary, I don't think they're going to get the number six pick for. No, for probably not. Calgary. But you know, if they if, there is a possibility of them getting a deal where they get a low first, and that would you know fill that hole. They 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 definitely need to start infusing some prospects into that organization. They do have a few, but I think they you know really they're starting to get old in certain areas, and they're thin in certain areas like defense. Yep. And I mean, if it's Calgary, how about a De- how about Dennis Weidman in that deal? No. I mean, it's not the purpose of trading him. Right. They got to go younger than that. Yeah, and Weidman will be moved, but I don't know. I I still think he's going to end up back in Boston. Um, But no, I I think that that, that almost happened. I think it could still happen. I I, um, I agree with that. The likelihood of that happening went up even more with the news that Tory Krug's going to be out six months. Yeah. So so with shoulder surgery. I mean, talk about. Russ said it when we were having a discussion on the phone. His prediction about the downfall of the Bruins was probably a year too early. With the news that Bolesky is out, and that's only he'll probably be back for training camp. But Krejci had hip surgery, will be out five months, and and Krug, who's an RFA, is going to be out six months with a sh- with the complete rebuild of his shoulder. You know, you're talking, you know, two well, their number one center and their number two or three defenseman. That's those are absences that the Bruins are not going to be able to recover from. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to follow. I don't know which way it's going to go yet. I, you know, there's a lot about this Pittsburgh team that's that's interesting though, and I'm going to talk about that as we talk about last night's game. Uh, it was obvious. I think it was one of the best games of the playoffs so far. It was just really. Oh, it was a great game. A really good game, back and forth. I mean, you know, just I watched. I didn't watch it till this morning. I've been taking thanks, Terrence, for taking care of the show the last couple of days. I've been taking care of myself. I've been going through some stuff, and he's feeling a little bit better today. But um, I have been sort of out of commission a little bit, so I ended up watching the game right before this podcast and um, from last night. And yeah, just the just the amount of like amount of hits and the amount of brutal. Um, checks that were going on in that game, and just the really, I mean, the passion being played, you really have just maybe the two two of the best teams in the NHL playing against each other in this game. I mean, it really it really feels like that. Even looking, comparing it to the West, I think that both these teams would have a good shot against anybody in the West. Although Mike Sullivan won the uh, coaching battle in that game. He did. He totally did. Uh, leading, of course, to the rumors that Boudreaux will end up back in Washington after the series. No, you can't do that. Wait a minute. It's not going to happen, obviously, just a joke. But it, there, that, was a, that was a funny thing the, the yeah, yeah. last night, for sure. There's no way that's happening. But, it, but I was talking to Mike on the phone last night because he wasn't able to watch the overtime, and I was kind of shocked that Mike Weber was out there early in overtime. It's like when you're in a game like that and you know the series could be teetering, don't you go with your best players? I mean, I understand it could be a long overtime, but then you throw Weber out there when it's like when you're mired into eight minutes of overtime because most, right. most games are going seven minutes or less. If you right. get to the eight-minute mark of overtime, then you say, okay, Weber, you're in because at that point, then there's nothing else you could do. But at the beginning right. of it, yeah. you got to have your best players in there. There's a, re- there's a reason why Buffalo traded Mike Weber yeah. for, a team, for a team that was playing Carlo Koliakovo at the end of the year. 
And you know, Carlo is at the at the end of his career. And you know, I understand a team like Buffalo if they're gonna, they're going to trade their UFA guys and get it, get prospects back. I understand that. But Weber was supposed to be the eighth, uh, the seventh or eighth defenseman on that team, and because Orpic was suspended, here you know, here's a here's a here's something that the Orpic suspension affected was yeah, that Orpic yeah. was not out there at that point, and Mike Weber was, and Mike Weber is a train wreck in his own end defensively. Well, they, and they got Mike Weber. The way Barry Trotz works is, is got, got Mike Weber. Weird echo You got Mike Weber to fill in the spot for. You know, he he's basically Orpic's replacement should Orpic go down. That was the thought. So they see him as a defensive defenseman. So they're putting him out there instead of Orpic. Like um, Barry Trotz does that, which has pluses and minuses. I've always I've been a, I'm kind of a fan of of that. There I'm not a fan of starting Weber, but I'm a fan of you know not messing up all your lines, but just replacing one guy in one spot, which is what they do with Weber and Orpic. But um, I mean Weber's not Orpic obviously, and that 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 was just so blatantly apparent. But okay. the other, go ahead. The other thing I noticed about Pittsburgh, and this is my blog for for tomorrow, and it was going to be a blog for today, I had more time, but my blog for tomorrow will be this, um, as a little teaser. It, it, are the Penguins the beginning of a new kind of NHL? Like the, the, There's something about the way they're playing right now, mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the fact that, that they are going with these, all these offensive defensemen that didn't work other places, like, you know, and they have these guys going in there that are all just one... Are we seeing like the next wave of? I'm not going to say like the Oilers, but are we seeing the next '80s coming, where we're going to see a ton of scoring again, and we're going to really just care more about you know the defensemen being more puck moving defensemen, and and also to go along with that is just an influx of enormous amounts of puck moving defensemen into the NHL as 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 prospects, like we talked about with Russ before. There's just an it was obviously like 15 years ago, like make your if your kid can play, put make and he's a good forward, put them on defense because we need puck-moving defensemen, and we're seeing all of those guys going right now. I, I think with the Penguins, if they do beat the Capitals, if they do go on and win the Stanley Cup, I think what, you know, and we know how the league is a copycat league, right. I think what they will bring is the importance and of the infusion of speed in this game. This yeah. team was not a playoff team at the halfway mark, but what did they do? They add Haglund. They add daily. Uh, they 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 bring up uh, fast guys, fast guys like Sheary and Rust and Kunakel from from Scranton Wilkesbury. I mean, their bottom six and you know most of their bottom six are entry level guys with yes. speed. You know, and and, and this kills. The thing that they're doing that's different is that in my opinion, I mean, speed always kills. But the thing that they're doing that's different is the fact that they are playing. They are thinking offense first all the time. And well, they're, they're thinking. You know, we we've been talking about this for a couple of years where the puck moving defenseman is now an important thing and the defensive defensemen are almost gone anyhow. They're like Chris Terrian wouldn't be able to play in this league. You know, like it's just, you know, Jeff Bukaboom wouldn't be able to play in this league. That's just the way it is now. And and now we're getting to the point where they're finding you could have four offensive defensemen, maybe even five, as long as they skate well and get the puck out of their own zone. It doesn't matter if right. they're marksman defensemen or not. It doesn't matter if they're big hitters or not. Yeah. That's that's the big deal. And there are a lot of guys, like you said, getting drafted that way. But the the biggest thing I think the Capitals are getting killed on, and I'll harp on it again, Mike Richards is killing him. He might be getting yes, yes. 50% on faceoffs for his nine minutes, but he's slow as molasses. And Michael Lott is the backup. And you know what? Michael Lott is a lot faster. He may not score either, but yeah. he's got a better chance of keeping the puck out and doing a few things. Richards is done. And, and I think this buying into having him on the roster because he's good in the room 
is old-fashioned, antiquated thinking. I do. Well, I think too is the biggest. I think the biggest thing you see with the Penguins is you can get by with average playing your own end if you always have the puck. Right. And they have the puck. They have gone. They have gone for. We are a puck possession team. We're going to keep the puck, and we can get by with average def- defense. Average defensive play. If yes. we always keep the puck, and right. I think what you're seeing the exact contrast with that with the Capitals is when Richards is on the ice, when that line is on the ice, the Penguins always have the puck. Yep. You can't chase the game. If you keep chasing the game, you, you, the funny thing is, for the most part, the Capitals have not played bad in this series. Holby's no. been fine, and they've played quite well, and they're down three games to one. And it just feels like they're chasing the game a lot against the Penguins. They never have the puck. Well, the funny thing was, looking looking at it before the series, we thought, okay, Hopi is going to have the advantage and goal over over Murray. Murray has played wonderfully. Hopi has played well. The, the 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 battle is basically even, and in that in that instance, I mean, that's an advantage that Washington needed. Now you look at it. Washington's defense is much better, at least on paper, than Pittsburgh's. But Pittsburgh's defense is quick enough to get the puck out of the zone right. to head man the head man the puck and get players like Kessel and Crosby, you know, crossing the crossing the red line on attack into the offensive zone. And, and from what I've seen in this series, Washington seems clogged up. They, I don't know if Pittsburgh's, you know. Clogging up the middle, you know, playing playing like essentially a neutral zone trap, or just attacking with forechecking. But but Washington has not been able to generate enough of an offensive attack, and I thought that was something they were going to be able to do with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. I, I think honestly, game five, you shorten your bench, you play four def- your top four defensemen, you play your top three lines. If you don't win, your season is over with, and just you know have Ovechkin run everybody over. I mean, you've got you got to get desperate now because this season is over if you don't win Game Five. There's no question there. I got a prediction, Mike. The season's over if they don't win Game Five. Thank you. Yes, of course. Okay. Well, I mean, I know you know Rusty Chicken is not happy about any of this, but besides <laughs> besides him, you know, I mean, this is kind of what I saw coming with what I saw coming with the Penguins. I, and, and but but we did talk so much. My point being, we talked so much about uh, the Penguins are going to get killed because they just they can't play defense in the playoffs. They're so good down the stretch. We're not so the only good. ones. No, remember? I mean, yeah, everybody on this panel said the same thing. Yeah, well, it's it's different in playoffs. It's different in playoffs. You got the defense. You have to play the defense. You know, we talked about that, and and yeah, we're seeing right now that you know if like in the good old days, if you know, kind of the Edmonton Oilers, if you don't have to play defense, if you're that good, and yep. you and you and you can score that. I mean, the fact that their third line. Is you know I don't know what their third line technically is, but if it's Hagelin, Benino, and Kessel. Yeah, if that's their third line, I mean that's only their third line because Malkin's on the second line. They don't right, call right. it the second line. Malkin's really the third line right now, and you know that's that's phenomenal. I mean that that also I mean you know helps <laughs> helps a little yeah. bit to have to have that kind of offensive depth. But and Malkin is getting it just when he gets the puck, he just he looks like you know what Yager wants to look like. You know, like to me, like he's so big and strong, you just can't get the puck away from him, and yet he's so fast and, and just I when I I'll never forget seeing Malkin's first game in the NHL. I went to it in Pittsburgh just to see what it was like and see what it was like and that just even from the warm ups on in that game, I was just blown away by the fact that he does everything so well. I mean he really does. He just he has like that ability to skate like some like, you know, Mark Matt like the Mario Lemieux type passing thing. He's he's got, you know, he shoots Incredibly hard, you know, like kind of like you know Lindros would shoot at one point in time, you know, kind of more like Tavares. Now he's got like all that kind of stuff. It's just he's just such a combination. And I, I wrote not to one up here or anything. I wrote about him in the World Juniors, and I think I was like the first person to really write about him with NHL.com. And 
he amazed me. It was like it's incredible, isn't it? He was like a revolutionary player, but then you know he's had some ups and downs. He always scores points. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think we always have bigger expectations than sometimes Malkin comes through on. But now his complete game is so good that even if he's not scoring, he's out there punishing people. He's out there really making another team, you know, the opponent pay. And he was great. He really was. I believe that if he went to another team, if he was moved to another team, he'd be winning MVPs in the NHL right now. Yeah, he would be. I mean, I think that, I think there's no. I mean, I think that, and I think that it's been good for him in a way to be uh, because he, he might not want to be the number one guy. I don't think he has that personality. I I don't I don't agree with that one. I, I think he does. Uh, Absolutely. Just talking to people, just talking to people. You know, uh, some of our Russian friends there. You know, Russ. I talked to her about yeah, yeah. I talked to her about him a lot, and uh, just to get an idea of what, he, what he's really like. And and uh, now he, I think he definitely wants to be the guy. Yeah, but talking the talk and walking the walk are two different things. They are. Yeah. He's been in a situation where he hasn't had to, right? Like he's in a situation where he's it's in a really odd situation for a player like him to be in. Uh, he can play. He, he's playing in the only team in the world where he wouldn't be the number one guy, right? So, right. Not, not 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 to bury the Capitals before they before they lo- lose the series, but if they do lose the series, do you think it's fair or unfair that? Alex Ovechkin is going to, again, reinforce the reputation that he has of being not clutch and being a choker. I think it's unfair. I I think in this instance it's very unfair. It's going to to happen. The people are going to say that, of course. But um, it really is unfair because they're playing just such a good team. They're playing against such a good team right now. In the NHL, they could probably beat right now. That, to me, is the question is how do you beat the Penguins? Can you stop the Penguins? You can stop them, but you have to play a... you know that they're going to try and shut Ovechkin down, so everybody else has to rise to the occasion. Right. Why do you get Justin Williams? Justin Williams isn't scoring. You know, right. he's got a little bit of scoring, but not not like you would expect Justin Williams to score. Like, Other guys have to do it. One thing, God damn it. One um, thing I noticed with the Penguins is you, if you can get their defensemen isolated, you can take on a forecheck. If you can get if you can get a one on one battle in the corner with some of their smaller defensemen, that's when you can win those battles. That's when you can establish a forecheck. The problem is the puck's never in that zone. So right. it only happens a few times a game. I notice when the Islanders are playing well against the Penguins, they that fourth line can get on an isolated matchups with those defensemen and they win those battles and now all of a sudden you get some scoring chances. Yeah, the Islanders the fourth is, line's really good at, at cycling and possessing the puck. And the so, problem is, it's like since the start of the year, no one can get those defensemen isolated. Right. It's because they always have the puck. Yeah, you beat the you beat the Penguins by your second forward not being Marcus Johansson. And, you know, Nicholas Backstrom, Kuznetsov. Right. Uh, I mean, Oshie, except for game except for game one where he scores the hat trick. Their their secondary players are not coming up big, and I think you know. You, I think the post-mortem, if they do lose in Game 5, is going to be exactly that. I mean, this is a low-scoring series. I mean, Oshie's had very good chances. I think Oshie's having a good series, even though he's not putting up tremendous points. I wouldn't even put it on Oshie, but I think there's other guys. You know, like I said, Williams definitely is a guy that was brought in for a reason. Now, in this game coming up, he's got to come up big. If he doesn't, then we're going to start to say Justin Williams isn't the same anymore, and that's going to be the way it is. You know, yeah. look at John Carlson, as an example, stepped up yesterday yeah. because he knew, okay, nobody else is doing it. He did it. He put it on his back, and it was a wasted effort. That's tough. Yeah. Let's go. Let's talk about the Malkin hit on Winnick real fast, too. Um, there's not going to be a hearing, um, apparently. I don't. I didn't think there should be, but 
it was it's, it's a little bit out there. I mean, considering all, the, I mean, it, this is this is a situation where you have such a a bigger guy going against a smaller guy. It, right. it, it's just where he can hit him. If he's going to hit him, it's going to affect his you know head sort of. It, it, it's not like he went after his head. It's not like he left his skates or anything like that. No. I guess I guess this is the new normal that every game in the playoffs we're going to see is this an illegal hit or is this not an illegal well, especially hit? Especially once the Olympic thing happened, you know, like so once that happened, that that put it all into play. I mean, there was a lot of you know what was interesting. Here's the thing. I guess mm-hmm. it's hard to quantify. I wish they kind of had a um, a graphic or something on screen where they could show because they have these shows that can do it. If they could show the force of a hit. Like, this is, you know, 800 pounds of pressure going to his head. Right. If they could show the viewer that on some of these hits and have an accurate number, we wouldn't even be talking about it because the way that Orpic hit, and I forget who it was now, was a predatory hit to the point where... Mata. Mata. Yeah, Mata. He, he was trying to push in, like, a brick wall if he could. So, so what, you're, what you're saying, Russ, is you wanted to get the exit velo of Oli Mata's head. Yeah. No, they could they could do that. You just got to put so you just got to put those like they you just got to get those trackers. You can put them in their skates or something. They could actually do that. Don't you think they should? Because then they I do it. They do it for soccer. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. They put it in the guy's cleats. Right. You yeah. absolutely put an accelerometer in a in a helmet, and um, you'd have no problem at all measuring the measuring the velocity of the head. One of the interesting things is you can you can uh, you can see by a soccer player because you know you have those guys. Health team can monitor a player, and once like how many, uh, what their average is, what their average speed is, how much ground they cover, and when those numbers change drastically, you can tell a player's injured, so and that's can, one of the things they use it for. So they can calculate when he's diving, is basically what you're saying. You can tell. You can tell when a player's hurt. On the worst thing, last thing you want to do is take a player off who might just be banged up and be better in five minutes, or is someone really hurt? Because well, once you bring them off, you can't bring them back on. The one thing, Russ, I don't know if the NHL would want to do that right now when the concussions lawsuits are out there because you're, all you're doing is providing providing proof to the other side of, okay, here's the impact of hitting on the game. That's a That's great fair. point, Mike. No, it's true. It's, it's very true. And also, for concussions, it's, it's, it's not just a matter of the velocity of the hit. You know, it's a matter of... of of yeah. the fact that the player's coming really fast. Like it's, it's a matter of the brain being jogged back and forth, right? So... It's not just the hit. You know, no, it's the side like, impact. It's the yeah, it's amount all, of liquid in your head. It's the amount. Of, it's how thick your skull is. It's all of it. I mean, we can definitely. We can't take it all out of the game. And I, and I, I mean, I feel bad for the for winning on this hit. Obviously, I would. I definitely would not want to be hit by Malkin. I wouldn't probably. I, we'd all be out of work for three months. You know, yeah. like, it's like. Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a, a hell of a slam. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, but everybody's getting slammed like crazy in every game. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it's. We talked about it yesterday, and it, look, I mean, playoff hockey is playoff hockey, but now playoff hockey is is jumping back to it's not only playoff hockey, but it's a it's war of attrition again. We're we're getting out of the finesse game that we we've all sort of been enjoying, and getting back to it's really physical and expect just crazy dirty goals. You're not going to see that many skill goals anymore. You know what I thought too is. With the way the league is handling supplementary discipline, you got to do a lot to get suspended more than two games. You yeah. really do. Yeah. So it's like some of these players are like, you know what? I'm going to run this guy. At worst, I might get a game. I'm yeah. going to do whatever I need to do. Ah, if, you know, if the guy leaves on a stretcher, whatever, I might get two games. Because there's been all that's never made. If there's like 20 seconds left in a game, guys are getting run right into the wall. It doesn't matter. There's yep. never ever that call where it should literally carry over to the next game if a guy's going to get suspended. They don't ever do that. No, it's right. a free-for-all at the end of games. 
If it's a 10-game suspension in October, it should be a 10-game suspension in April. And until yeah. that happens, these guys are going to take liberties. Yeah, but you're dreaming in technicolor if you think that they're going to suspend. I mean, what is it? The Orpic suspension was three games in right. You know, that would have been six or seven games during mm-hmm. during the regular season. That they right. that that that, that, that cal- calculation that they make one playoff game suspension is equal to two or three. I that's on the link. That's that's really ridiculous. I, I think I think it's such a ridiculous thing. I I, I personally just I, I get that playoff games are more important, but that doesn't mean that it's less. I, I just I think that it's very it's very. It ridiculous. doesn't measure the same. It, the violence is the same. Right. <laughs> until it happens, until it happens, where a series completely altered because somebody takes a run at Crosby or someone takes a run at, at Jonathan Taze, it's right. going to take one of those guys leaving on a stretcher. And yeah. that, once again, it's the difference between a proactive and a reactive league. I've yeah, said it a thousand times. This league I'll, is not proactive. I'll give you an example. If, 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 if the Islanders play Pittsburgh and Matt Martin takes a baseball swing to the back of Sidney Crosby's Achilles, he's getting mm-hmm. suspended for 25 games. But Latang can throat slash somebody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but, Latang, but again, the, dif- the difference, Latang is a star. Ovechkin right. yep. is a star. And and to to back that one up, and I don't like to go this way because every team thinks that Crosby sort of gets gets extra play, but the Alsner hit on Crosby, I felt like Crosby kind of dropped real hard on purpose. I do. I I think he he I don't want to say he dove. I don't think he fought gravity. (laughs) I I know he got got hit, Dan. He did get hit. Yeah, he did. No, he did. He got hit. He dropped like a ton of bricks. He knew he would get two minutes out of that. He did. Crosby's yeah. Crosby's been watching too many instruction tapes of Nazem Kadri. Yeah. No, it's it's it was a little bit. Odd. I mean that, but that is, but this is nothing. This is nothing out of the normal for playoffs. No. we've been down this road too many times. Let's talk about the games that are coming up now tonight, um, which <laughs> are in the in the, the goaltending cavalcade. The, right. The, we have we have Carrie Lutton starting for the Dallas Stars, who will be yanked after 20 minutes. In Here's favor the thing. Of right. You know what's funny? I sh- I had a chance to sleep on what I said yesterday, right? And based on what I saw on the Hockey Central show, saying that they can't trust either goalie, I say put in Jack Campbell. I really do. I mean, is Andy Moog uh, available? <laughs> Cesar Maniago is he still alive? Right. So Jack Campbell is uh you know the famous U.S. goalie. Um, right. From- from World Juniors, who is their who is their minor league goalie playing for the Texans? Why not? Why not? He's right. Called, he's he's a good goalie. He's a good young goalie. Campbell was called up. He's part of, he's part of their black aces. Right. So, but 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 this is Lindy again. This is Lindy Ruff we're talking about. Lindy. So Ruff, there's no chance that's going to happen. There's not a chance in hell because because Ryan, like Ryan Miller in Buffalo, he played Ryan Miller every game for three straight months. I think a couple of the games he he he, he brought in uh, Jocelyn Tebow or Ty Conklin, whoever the backup was at the time. But but just to get in the playoffs, he started Ryan Miller every game for like three months straight. Right. Now and Lindy, and Lindy does, and Mitch are getting into it again because. Um, there was some sort of remark made about how the peanuts are free, they're complimentary, but I don't know what that was in, in follow-up yeah. of. Like, I don't know what the – it was a punchline to something, but obviously bigger things are coming between those two. They hate each well, other. 
they they don't each other, and I think these team these teams don't like each other either. The the, the Ryan Reeves blowing a kiss at yeah. the Dallas Stars bench. And first of all, I think it's stupid because you yeah. got a team that's demoralized. They got their butt kicked six one, and you're doing that kind of the happy crap. I I think all you're doing is giving Dallas motivation. I mean, Dallas is a shorthanded team. I don't think they're going to win this series now without without uh, without Sagan coming back, and he's probably not going to be coming back. But you don't give them bulletin board material. You don't give them motivation that they don't need. Uh, real quick, Jack Campbell spent like a, a quarter of the year in the ECHL this year. His numbers were not good. Doesn't matter. I mean, he's a goalie. No, they, but his numbers were he had a, a 8.89 save percentage in the ECHL. I understand, but he, you know, who's he have in front of him? When you get sent down to the ECHL, you're getting sent down so you get more playing time. He yeah, I know. But why, why is a 24-year-old going to the ECHL? Now, I guess listen, I'm not question. telling you he's the best goalie you know, in his age group. He's not. But I'm just saying he won a championship. He's sort of lost in the system. I still, what you based, basically what you've seen from these two goalies, is it going to be any worse? Right. No, and this is the guy, Jack Campbell, I was, I mean, oddly enough, you know, they're right about the Calgary Flame rumors today with the Marc-Andre Fleury, but a couple weeks ago I was hearing Calgary Flame rumors involving trying to get a hold of Jack Campbell. Is there, so, I mean, this is, he's got, hello, Campbell. <laughs> um, how you doing? What's going on? Yeah, pretty good? All right, cool. Um, I'll just put my paw in the in the camera. The Texas Stars' number one goaltender was Mac was Maxim Legacy. Yeah, not, I just looked at all their numbers. It's like they had some. Excuse me. Okay. They had some issues. She's like Jack Campbell sucks. Yeah, <laughs> no barking. All right, all right, good dog. He rocked for the Idaho Steelheads. Canada doesn't agree. Um, yeah, no, I mean he's he's. He's a. No, I mean, I, I think he's he's shown that he's a clutch goal and he's shown that he can play very very well. And I mean, and I would love to see him get a shot. It's it would be kind of insane right now. Yeah, let me um, let me go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah you do what you gotta do. Listen, I grant you, it would be insane, but it's yeah. just as insane to have what's gonna happen. Like Mike said, one goalie goes in there, he gives up two or three goals. They put in yeah. the next goalie in there, he gives up two or three goals. You know, you put in the one young hungry goalie, you never know what's gonna happen. Right. No, no, I mean, again, I, I don't think Lindy Ruff's going to do that. So, I mean, it, he's going back to Lettinen. He's going back to Lettinen. He hopes that Lettinen catches fire, you know, fire in a bottle, you know, that whole, you know, whatever. I, I mean, unless Dallas's defense gets a lot better quickly, I mean, St. Louis, to me, clearly has the advantage. They have the <laughs> They have the best, arguably the best player in the series in Tarasenko. Jamie Benn is no slouch, but I no, think that... Jamie know, Benn's putting up points, but he's... You know, him and Spezza have played well. Sharp's done nothing. I mean, he's gotten a few goals. Sharp hasn't done much. Their their secondary scoring's been lousy. Like you yes. said, their defense has been lousy. Even Klingberg has been sort of turnover. A uh, little bit too many turnovers. He's Try not providing enough much. of those. Too he's much. And yeah. then it's a problem. So, I mean, I you know, I... I definitely think St. Louis has the advantage in the series. If they go up 3-1, uh, you know, again, Dallas is in the similar position that Washington is in where they have their back against the wall. I, and I don't know. Funny, nobody would say Elliott's playing well. I've not heard one person. No, he's, he's been no. okay. That's it. No. He's been okay. He played well in the last series. He he's did. got to be better against whoever he plays. If they, if they make it out of this round, he's going to have to be a lot better against San Jose or yeah. Nashville. Or Nashville, yeah. Yeah, um, now, now here's something I want to we gotta we gotta watch really carefully because I've been doing I, well, I have to re update this article because I talked about it before, but I did it a couple years ago. Um, 
the record of teams after getting blown out by four or more goals in a playoff series, like a playoff game, like I've talked about before, is is very very good. I mean, and it ha it's happened this year as well, a couple times when a team's gotten beaten pretty well, like the Flyers, for example, losing you know very handily in game two or no, what game? With the math angle again, really? No, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that the playoffs are this 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 really is sort of like sort of like quantifying the emotional factor of the playoffs, where you have um, the fact that. You need if you're if you emotionally let down, like when you blow a team out, it's hard to come back the next game and play them again um, with the same kind of emotional intensity. And yet, when you are blown out, you have a real anger. So there's a um, that that you shift. emojis for that. <laughs> yes, that's ominous. Um, that shift is um, is very pre is very pre prevalent, and I, I would not be surprised at all to see Dallas come back and win tonight. I mean, I really wouldn't because the I mean, backs against the wall wouldn't shock. Anybody, I don't think, but like like both Mike and Dan and me are saying, it's going to take a monumental effort and a complete turnaround from the garbage that they showed us in the last game. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. St. Louis is inflicting their style on, yeah. on Dallas. Dallas. See, St. Louis can win. If, if, if you're playing Dallas Stars hockey, open game, Dallas can still skate with them and win. Right. But if they're playing St. Louis, Dallas can't play St. Louis style. Yeah, and I, I, I heard comments from Hitchcock. He was like, you know, I mean, it was – almost a note perfect game by the blues you know they they played wonderfully and he he was making some t comment about the klingberg uh hitting the crossbar late in the first period and how if that goal would have gone in then it could have been a completely different game i mean he basically didn't want to give he didn't want to give dallas any bulletin board material but they dominated that game if they continue to dominate like that dallas doesn't have a chance I do agree. Well, let's talk about the other series, though. And the Predators also had a pretty dominant game against the Maybe Sharks. Series where somebody has to win. <laughs> uh, essentially, the series that I think is the Stanley Cup final in the NHL oh, 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 great. is the Predators versus the Sharks. And you know what? I will say this: this is the crazy year. So everything that you say can make sense. So I mean, I can't really kill it. I can't. No, not everything. It's an alternate universe, Russ. I know. Not, except except Kari Ramo. Everything else he's no, been spot on. The Ramo factor is out there for sure. But I I know. Have... The Leafs won the lottery. That's the Sanity Shelton won the right, right. This is like an episode of Lost. We might all be dead, and this is like we're just doing this, and we don't even know. And so that's it. I'm just saying. This, this I, is now there's one playoff series. You're right. We could we could all be dead. Yeah, if I'm going to die, I want to be next to Evangeline Lilly. Thank you. Uh, Hold up. I've been putting clips together, you know, from old for a project I'm doing, um, from old videos here, right? And one of the things I found the other day was the amazing amount of mockery that I took for saying the Sharks could possibly <laughs> go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And um, that, at that time, it was just, I don't remember that, really. Oh, my gosh. Did I mock you, or did I just say I was scared to no, take the Sharks? I, I don't think you were on the show that day, actually. Okay, I got good. mocked pretty handy. Pretty good. You would have mocked him, too. You're not absolved. No, actually, well, when did we say this? If we said this during the play, if we said it preseason, I would have maybe mocked him a little it, bit. Yeah, right? no, we said it preseason. I said the Sharks would be in the Stanley Cup Finals in the preseason. Okay, I did. I said that that's yeah. what it was. But I also said it before the playoffs, and I also said that, you know, I still, I still think that they're – I mean, they have – what we're seeing is, you know, they have a good combination of things. They have the right combination of young players and older players, and they've got great goaltending right now, and that's, you know, that was a big X factor. We didn't know, but Martin Jones has been very, very good. He has been. 
And the biggest thing, too, is their older players are in a support role. They're not in the starring right. role. So that, and that's, that's a big difference. That's what I said. I said that, that, that Thornton and Marlowe don't have to be – I'm not too much, much to flip my move. I just watched this the other day. That's why I remember this. But just that Thornton and Marlowe don't have to be the guys anymore. And, you know, that, you, you took mockery from Kevin Allen on that. So it wasn't yeah. just us slubs. It I was – no, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. I, I, but still, they, they haven't hoisted yet. So you they know. have not hoisted yet. Um, although I do like, you know, I mean, both of these teams. The Predators are, are definitely a different kind of team. The Predators aren't nearly where the Sharks are. You know, they're not. They don't have nearly the upfront talent at all. The offensive depth at all. They have a no. better defense, but the Sharks have a good defense. So the Sharks have a plenty, plenty good defense. Um, the the Predators have an outstanding defense. Rene has been. Better, you know, at times he's been inconsistent. At times Rennie is 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 a, le- a very fun goalie to watch, though. I will give him that. He's he's all over the he's all over the ice all the time. He, he definitely takes charge of the game, and he can be just infuriating at times for for them. Some of them. I mean, against Marlowe is as bad as he's going to look, and then you know, and then there's other times where he does look really good. It is hard to figure him out. I grant you that. No, he really is. Um, although he seems to, you know, that that. Game seven against the Ducks, you know, he single-handedly probably got Boudreaux fired. You know, that it's probably because of Pecorini that Boudreaux's, Boudreaux's interviewing with all his teams right now. So, um, this game is a, is a real. This this is going to be the toughest one for the Predators to win in my mind. This game that tonight is going to be. I, I think the Sharks come out tonight, and the Predators, you know, won that game a little bit too comfortably for my liking. The Sharks will be right back. The but Sharks. Like Ribeiro, you got to believe Ribeiro's back in there too now. Yeah. Yeah, and he—I mean, he's—he's he's obviously a force for them offensively, but he's also a really big defensive liability. So it's hard to say. Uh, not necessarily, Russ. I don't think. I mean, they, they really think they're going to continue to sit Ribeiro. Well, they won without him. I know, three. but that's—you know—it's like anything. Well, you, know, else. you know the superstition of the NHL coach: if you have a winning lineup, don't mess with it unless there's an injury. He'll be, he'll be there. I think what? in this situation. I mean, I, I think he'll be there. Got to put him in. I don't think you can. Bo- they're not scoring enough game to game where you could really sit this guy. Now, if you want to limit his minutes in certain situations, then do that. But you got to have him there, I think, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the predator. If the Predators do win the night, then this is a hell of a series because the, the, this will put this will put doubt into the Sharks' head a little bit. I think if, yeah. if they lose tonight, because Jones looked a little bit more normal last game. He did as good as he's been. Uh, you know, he needs to come back with a with another outstanding performance. If he comes back with another, like, four-goal performance, then things get really interesting. Um, the Sharks are so good on the road, though. I, you know, if I was a betting man, I, I would go I would go with Dallas and the Sharks tonight in these two games. But, but you know what the funny thing is? We were we were admonishing James Neal. We were saying how embarrassing that was, what he was doing with Joe Pavelski, because Pavelski was never going to bite at that. Right. And he just looked like an idiot. He really did look like an idiot doing that. at that, actually, James Neal is. Yeah, uh, he's kind of looking like an idiot. But James Neal just has, you know, he he does, tends to be his own worst enemy, James Neal. Yeah. A yeah. uh, little bit of news here. Uh, the uh, Per Elliott Friedman from uh, Sportsnet, the Coyotes have signed Dave Tippett to a new five-year contract. Wow. So, I mean, he's getting expanded uh, control over, over player personnel with the firing of Don Maloney, and they're going to hire a 26-year-old named Michael Chayka as their GM, I believe, today. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, he would be the youngest, we'll GM, that... youngest GM in the uh, NHL in NHL history, younger than Gord Stellick when he got right. hired by the... Yeah, I was just that works out. I mean, because... I was just talking here with Gord Stellick, and he was like, you know, that was my one foothold in history, and now this guy's beating me on it. It was actually kind of funny, but... They asked me about it. My only real opinion is 
He's not running everything. Obviously, look, now Tippett's got an expanded role. They'll have somebody else just doing the cap. He's just going to do what they feel his strength is, and, and it's an experiment. It is. It is. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's worked in baseball bringing in these young, you know, stat guys. But at some point, I, I just want to see if, you know, you the stats are important, the analytics are important, but it can't be the only thing. You yeah. still have to you still have to have your scouts. You still got to trust their eyes. You still got to trust, you know, your the hockey instinct of the organization and the hockey decisions. It can't just be based off of long division. I'm so, tell you, there are people and I see the tweets that actually think that analytics are more important than the eye test cuz they believe that certain organizations fail the eye test all the time and and that's just nonsense. I you know, I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to come out like I'm an analytic right. hater because I'm not. I'm not either. It's just it's a support. You use it to yeah. support your argument. It can't be the only yeah. basis of your argument. And like I said before, like this guy, can, this this kid can can be great with all the numbers and all the stats. How are you going to negotiate with like a Steve Eiserman? How are you going to negotiate with it with a with a Bowman or a Holland? That well, that's what I want to see. That's that's why they're probably going to bring in an AGM who's right. maybe a former general manager. I know that. Uh, if you're doing that, that makes sense. If you're putting that kind of team together, sure, that's great. No, it could be a, it could be a Dave Nonis. It could be a I heard Dave Taylor right. mentioned. I mean, you, there are a lot of ex, it could be a George McPhee if he doesn't think he's going to get another general manager's job. There are a lot of guys out there. Oh, he's working it right now, actually. Yeah. I mean, here's the funny McPhee, thing: McPhee's Garth, Garth Snow's assistant. If you're gonna make the obligatory phone call to try and get Austin Matthews, you've got to have someone who can talk to Lou Lamarillo. You're done. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. well, uh, Toronto could end up with uh, Ekman, Larson, Domi, um, you know, the building, and uh, Arizona. The state of Arizona will be renamed Luland. The building, the concessions, all of that. Basically, if if it's a, if it's a collect call and Lou Lou pick up, picks up the phone, the first things you better hear are Dylan Strom, Christian Dvorak, a couple first round picks. If not, he's not accepting the charges. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, I just listening to listening to Austin Matthews talk a little bit over the last week or so. You know, we've heard him talk more and more, and he's getting more comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. Obviously, being in front of the camera all the time, he does seem like the kind of kid who can handle Toronto. Yeah. Um, he does. No, I think so. He really does. There are some like I think maybe better than Connor McDavid could have in some ways. Uh, he's just and he's a little, he's a little bit more mature in terms of that. You know, and obviously he's almost a year older now than Connor McDavid was when Connor McDavid came into the league. McDavid now looks really is really comfortable, but at yeah. the time he came in, uh, Matthews is if any player like you know Matthews, I think you know will be in, will be able to be jumped right to the Maple Leafs and not have to. I mean, choke. he gets no breaks being in, in in the Swiss league. Like they they have professional reporters, they have media there, they've got fans that are you know that are pretty. Rowdy there, actually. They're very loud. They have those crazy fan sections that he told me about. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's – this was good for him. This was sort of like yes. – if you want to liken it to something like when you're like a goofy 17-year-old and you go off to college, you, I, I think there's a certain maturity that happened for him because he was – you know, even though his family was with him, he was playing on his own in a professional league, and, and that changes a lot. So, yeah, I think, I think he's pretty worldly now. Yeah, I think he's going to be a great fit there. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, guys. But we will have a really fun show for you guys again tomorrow as we talk these talk through these games and get move forward um, from there. Remember, without the buzz, it is just Aggie. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>